0: Welcome. My name is Paul Mumaw. Uh, I'm the lead pastor at Genesis, and uh, it is my pleasure to be here to worship with you today and to uh, to share with you. And what a day it is, man. It's been a great week. I am so thankful for the warm weather. I don't know about you, but if you got a pool, open it back up, right? Talk to the Neighborhood Association and uh, open the pool back up this week. And I, I don't know about you, but I think 2020 owes us, here's kind of the deal that I have, I think 2020 owes us one week a month this winter, just like this week, right? Like, i would just be a better winter if, if we could have one week, but I'm not counting on that to happen, uh, but I am grateful for today. And so if you have a Bible with you today and you want to follow along with us, uh, you can take it or go to Matthew chapter 6, it's the very first book in the New Testament, uh, Matthew chapter 6, that's where we'll be today. Uh, let me pray before we get started. Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, for your presence in this place today, for your love for us, Lord, uh, for your hope uh, that you've given us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And for your word, Lord, that can teach and instruct us how to live. And Father, we know that you are here in this place with us. We want to give you the glory and praise. And now we want to be good listeners uh, to what it is that you might want to speak to us, to give to us today, and not only hear it, but then act on it and apply it to our lives. And so use this time, Lord, uh, however you would choose, speak through me. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, we are a couple of weeks removed from fall break, and I know that every school district is a little different, uh, or your homeschool environment is a uh, may have different timing, different plans when it comes to fall break. In Noblesville, where I live and where my kids go, we get two weeks off uh, of fall break. And so I remember seeing all sorts of pictures on social media of all the different places, people from our church, uh, some friends outside of the church, uh, just the places, adventures you are taking over fall break, and whether that was be uh, those long national park road trips that you've seen people take, whether it be this summer or or fall break to cabins in the mountain, to the to the beach getaways, you know, for a week or something. A little bit of everything. Because we had a son, a high school son, who was running cross-country all through the month of October, we weren't able to get away this year, so we planned one of those Indiana staycations, right? That's what we call it. We call it a staycation. Uh, Lots of time outside, getting to different parks, ate at some fun places, uh, visited the grandparents. But no fall break staycation would be complete without a visit to, brace yourself for this, the world's largest ball of paint. Uh, Right here in central Indiana, located in the suburbs of Alexandria, or Alec, uh, for those of you uh, that know Alexandria, uh, the ball of paint hangs in a small building next to the home of this man, artist and visionary Michael Carmichael. And uh, it's true, you can see it for yourself, you can check it out for yourself. Uh, I know you're probably wondering how, um, why would you have a ball of paint like this? It gets better. It's over 27,000 layers of paint, all right, all on top of one another. Mr. Carmichael started this back in 1977 with a hook And a baseball uh, that he started painting. And over the years, again, since 1977, 40 years now later, he's been adding to this his family and thousands of visitors uh, like our family. Has anybody been there, by the way? Anybody in the room? No what, come on, what, come on. I mean, I I thought every one of us uh, from Indiana uh, would have done something like this, but uh, have contributed, you know, through their painting. Because if you go, you can add a layer of paint to it, to this obsessive orb, uh, as they refer to. Today, it's over 14 feet in circumference and weighs in at a nifty two and a half tons, all right, hanging in this small building. You can find them on the web. You can arrange your visit uh, to go visit the ball of paint, just as we did. They'll give you a certificate. Uh, My family, we were able to add this uh, pink layer of paint uh, to the ball. And you can see on the certificate here, we added coat number 27,113. And so you check it out, you get your certificate, and then you come tell us uh, all about it. But uh, a really great man, really fun family. I- I'm sure there are many things that Mr. Carmichael would like to be remembered for one day. Like it or not, he will always be remembered, right? As the man with the largest ball of paint. But the fact is this, we're all going to To be remembered for something, all right? You and I, you're you're going to be remembered by something uh, by from the people that lived the closest to you in your life, watched you day in and day out. Do you know what the disciples found most interesting about Jesus? Uh, And I'm sure it was a number of things, but one of the things that fascinated them the most was something about the way that he prayed. In fact, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the disciples asked him just that. They, They were like, "Lord, teach us to pray." Uh, We want to pray like you. Um, And if you think about it, of all the things that they saw Jesus do, they never asked him, Lord, teach us how, how to preach like you. At least we're not aware of it. They didn't ask him, Lord, teach us how to walk on the water like you or how to heal people like you, but Lord, teach us how to pray. I mean, they recognized something. There was something unique. There was something special about the way that Jesus prayed. And they must have realized that his ability to make decisions, to, to navigate the day-to-day of life, the way he loved people, and even his deep connection with God was all a part and tied to the way that he prayed. And because they made it their goal to be like him and because they wanted to model every aspect of their life around him, they knew they must learn how to pray the way that Jesus prayed. Tim Keller's a great writer, a pastor, and he gets at the heart of what I think the disciples knew and understood uh, in asking this request. And he says this uh, about prayer in his book titled Prayer. Tim Keller writes, you know, prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. He insists we must learn to pray. We have to learn how to pray, and I think Jesus realized that, and obviously the disciples are going to discover that too. The disciples knew they had to learn how to pray. They knew they weren't going to make it without it. And, and here's what I wonder. Here, here's what I think. I, I think that for most of us, we'd like to be able to say that we pray, uh, that we find prayer intriguing, that we find something fascinating, mystical of sorts about prayer at times we want to say that we pray if you've grown up in the church if you've been around the christian faith you know you 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 want to be able to pray you want to grow in your prayers you want to be more confident in your prayers i mean even if you're new to all of this there there's something that you've wondered there's something intriguing about prayer but we struggle I mean, prayer is hard. Prayer can be challenging and confusing. It's difficult developing and maintaining a, a prayer, a meaningful prayer life, and and because it can be frustrating, and for so many different reasons. I mean, you don't you don't know where to start, or you're not sure how to continue, or again, what 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 is it that we're supposed to say? Or if you've ever wondered, am I am I doing this right? Or you try it and you get discouraged, and you hear nothing, you don't see anything changing in your life. Like if you if you struggle with any of these, if those thoughts have ever rolled through your mind at all, I just want you to know you're good company. Uh, With those people around you, even me, I've struggled in prayer. Uh, And I'm encouraged though that Jesus' disciples, they had to ask him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And I'm sure they did it more than once. And I can imagine Jesus being so kind and so gracious with them, taking the time to teach them and model for them, again, more than once, not just how important prayer is, and not just how you should pray, but really how simple and how life-giving prayer can really be. And as we see here in Matthew 6, with a prayer that I think most of us are probably familiar with, you've even got it memorized, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. He's giving them his, this prayer that followers of Jesus and churches have been praying for hundreds, thousands of years now. And it's a model for prayer that Jesus has offered. is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. And I want you to say it with me. The words will be on the screen. Perhaps you've got them memorized, but let's pray this together beginning at the Our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, But deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, if you've ever wondered how to pray, where to start, how to log in, uh, what to say, how to wrap up your prayers, the Lord's Prayer, what makes the Lord special, the Lord's Prayer special, is not just in these words, as important as they are, and I think we should pray these very same words, but that what Jesus was doing was also providing for us a model, a template of sorts, a pattern for how we can pray when we go before the Lord in prayer. And it's how I pray. Um, If I'm just being honest with you, like the model and the flow of the Lord's prayer has been one of the most meaningful, helpful things for me in learning and growing in my prayer life. And, And here's what I also know. I believe that it can do the same for you. Uh, If you're wanting to grow in your prayer life, if you're wanting to get started in your prayer life, looking to the Lord's Prayer, understanding the flow of it, and how you can take the different sections of what Jesus prayed and use those as a guide for how you pray, I think that you can find that can also be extremely helpful for you. And so if you're new with us, we're in the second week of a series that we've titled What to Say When You Pray. And over the next five weeks, we're gonna learn how to pray, again, by looking closely at this prayer that Jesus used to teach his followers to pray. And last week, if you missed last week, you can check that online or, or, online or through our podcast. But uh, we talked about how prayer is so much more than just this one-on-one transaction where I bring my uh, needs list to God. And hope that he follows through for me. But prayer at the very heart, the very foundation, is about growing in our relationship with God. That it's one of the most important things that we can do to cultivate our relationship. With our Heavenly Father. And if you notice right from the top of the Lord's Prayer, in just the first few words, notice how Jesus calls God Father. And we might look at that and say, well, of course, I mean, it's Jesus, it's His Father, that's who He's praying to. But let's remember, Jesus is teaching His disciples how to pray. All right, He is following up their request, their question with these words, and so the same for you and me me as well, but in the same way that Jesus looks to God as Father, He's inviting you and me to pray with those same images on our mind and in our hearts too. And so today, we're looking at the second line of this prayer when Jesus prays, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I just gotta tell you right up front, there is so much packed into just these few lines. It's rich, it's powerful, it's meaningful. Uh, It's pretty fascinating when you think about it, what Jesus is inviting us to pray. Uh, this portion of the prayer is it's it's about asking God to bring His kingdom and His will into our lives and into uh the places where we live and exist, the communities that we 're in, where we think about the people around us where god's will isn't currently. Being accomplished. And so it means asking, all right, it means asking for Him to make right what is currently wrong in this world. But this interesting phrase that I want to focus your attention on for just a moment this statement where Jesus says, on earth as it is in heaven. What's that all about? What's Jesus getting at when He says that we want to pray on earth as it is in heaven? And if you look at it this way, if earth is where we are, and heaven is where God is, what does it mean that we want what is happening in heaven to be accomplished on earth too? To better explain that, I want to do something a little different today. I want to show you a clip, a six-minute clip, uh, from a group of people known as The Bible Project. And you might be familiar with some of their works. This is a clip. It's about six minutes long. So settle in. Grab some popcorn if you've got some near you. Take some good notes. I think you'll find this to be helpful.
1: Check this out. So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really
2: well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space
1: gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space.
2: So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but This idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that.
1: Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning where heaven and earth, they're
2: completely overlapping.
1: Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together perfectly, no separation, and and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world, and so on.
2: But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted God out, and we wanted to create a world apart from him.
1: Yeah, so we have these two spaces now, and the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a a clear distinction. So you've said that these spaces can overlap, though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples, because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible.
2: One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses, and the other
1: But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty, but human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if
2: they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this?
1: Yeah, the the idea is this to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again.
0: You can check out this video and so many other videos like it at thebibleproject.com. It really is a great resource because not only do they create illustrations, visuals like these on these types of subjects, but I believe they have done one for every book of the Bible that gives you a glimpse and kind of an overview of really what's happening. How does this apply uh, to the story of God? And so it's a great study resource. Check it out. I realize there's a ton packed in to just those six minutes and maybe even as you were watching it, it was helping to put some pieces together for you. But what I want you to see, what I want you to see again is this idea of two spaces, that if earth is where we are and heaven is where God is, again, what is Je- what does Jesus mean when he says praying that we want what's happening in heaven to be done here on earth? And the last question they addressed in the video is what happens when you die? And you saw that guy a couple of times swan diving uh, from earth into heaven. Appreciate their humor there. And I'm so glad they included that because many of us grew up with this understanding that the whole point of Jesus and trusting Jesus and his life and death and resurrection is that one day we can get out of here and go to be with him in heaven one day. And there is truth in that, and that's complicated, and that's fun to talk about, and we'll talk about that some more as well. But if we're just waiting to get out of here... So we can get there. What what does Jesus mean then when he prays, your kingdom come, your will be done? Because in the Lord's prayer, Jesus, again, he's asking us to pray something so different. He tells us to pray for there to come here. That we want what's happening there to happen here. That going there is what happens when we die. We are going to be in heaven. We're going to be with the Lord. But that we should make it our goal to pray to pray for God to bring what's true there so that it can be true here on earth. Again, that's why Jesus instructs us, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me tell you three things that I pray for as I think about this portion of Jesus' prayer, how it influences me and the way I pray through this line we're talking about today. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes. When we pray this, we're praying that we want Jesus to return, When you pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying unapologetically for the day when Jesus Christ comes. Again, and God's word tells us, Jesus told us that He will return one day. The disciple John, one of Jesus' disciples, John describes it this way. Just listen to these words from Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1. John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from From the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. And listen to what he is going to do. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. No more death, no more pain, no more suffering, mourning, or crying for the old order of things has passed away. And then John writes, he who was seated on the throne is saying, I am making everything new. And that's what Jesus is doing. That's what he's doing right now in this world and what he's doing through churches and followers of Christ. He is making everything new, these pockets of the kingdom, pockets of Jesus all over the place. When you pray your kingdom come, you're praying for this coming reign of Jesus here on earth. You're asking God to give you the faith, to give you the hope, to keep going, to not give in, to not give up. And it's a reminder that the things on this earth that we see right now are temporary. This pain, this struggle is temporary. It's not going to be long now. Jesus is coming again. And the most important question you can answer for your life is, what, what will you do? What have you done with Jesus? Like, can you confidently say that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's the only question that's going to matter the day that he returns. But there's something else we acknowledge and that we pray for and should pray for as we pray through this line of the Lord's Prayer. And that is that secondly, we want God to work through our church. And when I say that, I'm talking about the Capital C Church. So that's the church all across the world that, is, that are helping people find their way back to God. But very specifically, uh, it's Genesis Church. Uh, we are praying for God to use Genesis Church because we recognize that we have a, an incredibly important role to play as we wait for Jesus to return. I mean, we, when we pray this, what we're saying is that we're acknowledging that we want God to use our church and to give us influence in this community so that we can be a source of light and hope in this very dark world, especially right now. Like right now, it is, it is so important. It's so critically important that we recognize our role because with all of this hurt and all of the confusion and anger and uncertainty, I mean, now more than ever, we got to see that we have an important role to play. And I believe that God wants to use our church. I believe that he wants to use Genesis and even greater ways to, to, to help spread the news, the good news of Jesus Christ so that others may know him. Just for a moment, that's why we launched our greater campaign. Our greater initiative. That's what greater is all about. We want to make the name of Jesus greater in our world by making disciples, all right? We want to reach our cities, okay? We want to help change the world that we're living in. We had no idea a year ago, we had no idea that this pandemic was on its way, but God knew. He knew. He knew it was before us. And let me just encourage you that just because things are a little upside down right now, just because things are confusing or different here at church, at work, at school, you know, just anything you've got going on in life, our assignment does not change. In fact, I think it becomes even greater. All right, even more important is we want Jesus Christ to be greater in our lives so that he can be greater in our kingdom, uh, in this community as well. And that means we've gotta stay focused, all right? We've gotta stay on mission, all right? We want God's kingdom to come through us. I I like the way that teacher Brad Gray describes this line in the Lord's Prayer. He says, here's what it means. It's the rule and reign of God advancing here on Earth, bringing healing and wholeness by chasing out the chaos or pushing out the dark, Sin and the death that has corrupted God's good world. And the incredible thing is that God has invited us to play a part, to play a role in His kingdom work by making disciples, by giving generously to things like love your neighbor, by loving the people, loving the people in your connection groups loving the people that God has put in your life, people in our church family and outside of this church family. We want God, when we say this, when we pray this, we are just praying that we want God to work through our church for his glory and the good of others. One more thing to consider when you pray this line, this part of the prayer, and that is that we want God to rule over our lives as well. We wanna pray this in a very personal, individual way. Again, Psalm 115 describes God's space as as heaven. All right, he, the, the Psalm 115 says, "'The highest heavens belong to the Lord, "'but the earth he has given to all of humankind.'" And so in praying, "'Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth "'as it is in heaven.'" We're praying for God's will to be done on earth and for God to use Genesis Church. But this is so important that we recognize this. In order for his kingdom to come through our church, it's going to have to come through your lives and my life together. This is a very individual thing. I mean, he, he's not going to do more through our church if we don't first allow him to do more in our lives. It's about surrendering. It's about trusting every part of who we are to him. And so we have to daily surrender. We have to lay down our lives, our little kingdoms, if you would, before him. Because when I pray this line, I'm reminded that there are so many kingdoms, so many smaller, less important kingdoms that we are constantly invited and tempted to give our lives to. Like there's the kingdom of work. Uh, there's, there's the kingdom of, of family, there's the kingdom of accumulation, there's the kingdom of pleasure, there's the, the kingdom of leisure, all these things that are constantly fighting for our attention and for our resources. But in order for God to rule and in order God for God to reign in my life, I'm, I have to stop investing in my own little personal kingdom, all right, that, that is just serving myself and instead join God at work and join God at work in his kingdom. And that's why our church, we love the title, Kingdom Worker. You've heard us talk about that before. We're we're believing and trusting that every single one of us is called to be a kingdom worker. A kingdom worker is just someone who believes and understands that they've got a role to play in bringing God's kingdom to this earth and helping people find their way back to God. And so when you surrender your life to that, when you raise your hand and say, you know what, I want to be a kingdom worker. I want to live with greater purpose in this world. You're believing that your workplace isn't just where you go to get ahead. It's not where you go just to make money, but you're believing and saying, this is my mission field. And I'm even praying that God, let your kingdom come to where I work, to this place, and to everyone that I have influence with. Uh, It's believing that your school isn't just where you go to spend time or to to learn something new or to be the smartest in your class. It's, It's a place where you go, your school, your influence, to share the hope that you've experienced, the grace you've encountered in your life. You're praying and believing that, God, I want what you've done in my life to be accomplished in this school and the people that you've brought and put around my life. It's true of your home. You know, the neighbors that God has put around you. You know, when you're living as a kingdom worker, you're believing and trusting that your place where you live is your place where you are called to serve, to help bring God's kingdom so that it can be on earth as it is in heaven. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Steve talked about last week too, like the Lord's Prayer has been extremely helpful uh, in my own personal prayer life. I I use the outline of the Lord's Prayer uh, whenever I spend time in prayer. And for uh, for me, uh, I like to start my day in prayer. I mean, If I'm doing my day right, right, I'm going to start in prayer with the Lord. And and I use a prayer journal. I find that writing out my prayers has been extremely helpful. It helps me to stay focused. Uh, It helps me to slow down, and I don't write every word that I'm praying, but just even using keywords and bullets uh, has been so beneficial for me in my prayer life. And I begin my prayers thinking about Father in Heaven. All right, thinking about Father in Heaven, and I'll, I'll even write, you know, "Good morning, Father." Uh, it's good to be in your presence today. And this is where I just open up and try and understand who God is and his relationship with me about it. It's getting my mind centered around this relationship that God wants to have with me. But then when I r- arrive to this next portion of the prayer, your kingdom come, that's when I pray for things like our church. You know, that, that's where I pray for people like you and for my kids, and for my wife, and, and, and maybe not so much where I get down into the details of the different things that we're praying for, but again, just in a very general way, like what's it mean to be a kingdom worker? God, what is it that you wanna do through Genesis uh, to bring what's happening on heaven to this earth? And I pray about my heart, you know, and I pray about my service and seeing every day and every moment and every person as an opportunity to serve someone else. Again, it's praying your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I hope you'll spend some time thinking about how it might influence your prayers. And maybe you've got some questions about that and would love to dialogue more, whether it be with a staff member or uh, somebody that invited you or a connection group member, do just that. I know that we have some connection groups that are meeting right now. It'd be a great thing to talk about. Like, how do you pray out these words? They probably change every day. But this idea of your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's the really great thing about Jesus' words. He didn't just give them. He didn't just teach them, but, but he lived them out too every single day of his life. And I can't help but think about the Garden of Gethsemane uh, and just the final hours of Jesus' life. And knowing what was ahead, Jesus poured out his heart before his Father in heaven, asking if there's another way, some other way other than the cross, and realizing that there was no other way. What did Jesus pray? What did he say? Not my will, but your will be done. You know, again, on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus went out and he backed up those words by giving his life on the cross. He gave his life for us. And he's invited us at the same time to lay down our lives and our will for him and for something greater. Because his kingdom is coming. And Jesus is going to return. Right, And we want to be a part of the work of on earth as it is in heaven. Here's what we're going to do today to wrap up. Last week, we just spent some moments in quiet praying together, thinking about Jesus or God, excuse me, as our Father in heaven. Today, I want to think more about those words, your kingdom come, your will be done, and what they mean for our church. All right, what they mean specifically for our church family. And last week, if you were here, you might have received a handout just entitled Four Prayers for Genesis Church. We'll have them here on the screen. If you don't have that handout, I'm sure we've got copies at the Info Hub. We've also put it on the app. But as we are asking you to pray with us each day over the course of this series, one of the things that I'd love to ask you to pray too is would you be willing to pray these prayers Uh, some prayers that our staff worked on together as a way of saying, we want the Lord's kingdom to come and we want him to come through Genesis to be a part of Genesis great work. And so we're praying these four prayers together. Just to briefly outline them for you, we are praying for God to ignite a passion in each of us for helping people find their way back to God. Uh, We are praying that God would give us wisdom to discern his will for our church. Uh, We are praying and believing that God can help us abide and obey with courage and boldness. And we are praying and asking for God to teach us to have compassion, to love, and to serve others well. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to take just a minute, but would you pick one of these? And just where you're seated right now, would you pray that? Uh, just pray that. Pray that for your life. Pray that for our church family. You pick one. We'll cover all these together, hopefully, even for those of you that are watching at home. But let's just spend a minute or so in silence. And let's go before the Lord and pray these things together. Father, we come before you this morning as one church under one Savior with all of our hope and our faith in you and the life that we have through you and the purpose and the kingdom work you have called us to in this world, and we are asking that you would continue to change our lives and our hearts to be fully and completely focused on you, God. We want to serve you. We want to live for you. We want to be kingdom workers in this world. We want to bring what's happening in heaven to this earth. And we know that we we get a small part in that, but it's an important part. But we are trusting you, God. We're trusting what you want to accomplish through each of us and all of the little spaces that you've given us throughout life, Lord. School, work, home, neighbors, friends, clubs, sports. We want to bring Jesus to those places so that others may know him and that heaven can truly come to this world. Lord, we are trusting you. We are believing in you. And we are praying these prayers, Lord. We are praying that you would ignite a passion in each of us for helping people find their way back to God, helping us all to see that we've got a role, we've got a part to play. There are people that you've put in our lives, Lord, and we want to see lives change. We want to see people baptized, Lord. We want to keep our baptism tanks full, uh, running that water, and uh, seeing lives change through it, God. And so give us that passion. Give us that passion. Uh, Give us wisdom, Lord, to discern your will for Genesis Church. We know that we look around right right now and we see so many problems uh, before us as individuals, as a church, and in our community. Lord, we want to see opportunities as you see these opportunities, God. And so give us faith. Give us boldness to follow you. Help us to abide in you and to obey with courage and boldness for every single one of us realizing that we can't be kingdom workers if we are not abiding and living and trusting you each and every day of our lives, Lord. And so do that work in us, in each of us, and in our students, and in our kids, and teach us to have compassion, to love, and to serve. Because Jesus did. That's what he did. He came and he gave his life as a ransom, and he came to serve, not be served. And he got down on his knees and he washed a lot of feet. And he modeled for us how you want us to live in this world. Help us to to live that way as Jesus lived. And use even our service, Lord, to draw people to yourself. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.
1: Amen.